It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. The great philosophers of time have asked some of the best and most important questions, one of them being, what is the true meaning of life? And some not so great philosophers have asked questions like, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it really make a sound? You know, there are some questions that simply don't have answers and don't simply need answers. But the questions about life, God has answers to. Those great questions, God has answers. And over the past weeks, we've been spending time answering those questions. I'm so thankful to have with me today, John Bradshaw, Speaker Director of It Is Written International. John, thank you so much for being here today. Chris, thanks. Thanks for letting me be here again. It's wonderful. Good, good to join you. You know, we've been studying together for the past six weeks. We now have a seventh show we're doing together where we've been probing to go beyond the questions. Because if we just simply ask questions, but never come up with an answer, well, we're going to walk away very dissatisfied. I remember living in London, England one time, and right next door to me there was a philosopher. His name was Michael. He had a doctorate in philosophy. He taught at one of the great universities in London, one of the great cities of the world. And he told, I, so I said, so what is this philosophy thing you do, Michael? And he said, we wrestle with the great questions of life, such as, and he referenced the question that you mentioned. He said, what is the meaning of life? I said, what's the answer, Michael? He said, we still don't know. I said, I think I can help. This man was, was, not, was suffering from a dreadful illness uh, that eventually would take his life. He'd, he'd, never, he'd never found yet the answer to the, the great question of his life. And yet I believe that God in the Bible has the, has the answers, that's the answer to that question and others. So, so beyond the questions, as you say, the answers are there if we just want to open up our eyes and open up the Bible and read the answers God has given us. And you know, that's the amazing thing. We, we've been on a journey together and, and, and we started that journey about your own personal experience, your own personal quest to have great answers in your life answered. And, and, and these questions that you had, you searched and you found those answers in the Bible. And then we said, okay, that's, that's great you found answers there, but can the Bible be trusted? Good question. And John, as we've studied from week to week, we found that the Bible can be trusted. It can. And we've studied prophecies and seen that God has fulfilled those prophecies. But we saw more than just God giving us pieces of information that we can file away in our, our intellectual minds. There's one goal in prophecy. And what's that one goal in prophecy, John? But really the great goal is to, is to see Jesus, to understand the work of God and to, to see how really all of life's questions have their answer in Jesus Christ. Prophecy reveals Jesus to the world. And once we saw that, and we saw that the Bible actually predicted with precision, when Jesus would work as Messiah, when he would be crucified. And we see that the Bible is reliable. We ask that question then, what does it mean to truly follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. 
And, and, and we, we, we read that very question asked by uh, a, gr a group of people, a crowd there in Acts chapter two, where they say, what, what, what must we do, gentlemen? What, what, what must we do to be saved? And the instructions were simple, repent, be baptized for the remission of sins. And we've spent the last few weeks talking about uh, repentance and then remission or the forgiveness of sin and finding true freedom in Jesus. And so now we want to ask the question, okay, so we know who Jesus is. We know how to have a relationship with him, how to, how to, how to have the past erased, start anew with Jesus. And so now we want to ask this question. How do we have power in our life? And I'm not talking about power like, like, like millionaire power, but how do we have true power in our life to live a life like Jesus? You know, it's interesting that you talked about millionaire power. Um, I've talked before about a fellow who was worth $8 billion, euros. He was a German man. Lost $2 billion when business went bad. He ended his life. Wow. He was worth six billion, I think, euros, and he ended his life. You know, having money and a whole pile of possessions, while, I, while I'm not against it, <laughs> um, isn't the answer. Yes. Doesn't necessarily bring peace. As a matter of fact, almost any very wealthy person will tell you that it adds a layer of complexity to your life, which itself would just about consume you. So even people with that kind of power, that kind of power, still need to find God's kind of power, you know. And I've used, and I've, I've very intentionally used that phrase, true power. Yeah. Because, you know, there is political power. Yeah. There's social power. There's money power. And all of those power, and we can see it over and over again, kings and politicians and rulers, they rise and they fall. The stock market rises and falls. Social, social well-being, social power comes and it goes. But God has true power, true power through a relationship with him. And, you know, when Jesus came to this earth, the Bible says that he can sympathize with us because he became one of us. He sympathizes with our needs. He sympathizes with who we are because he's able to understand who we are because he became a man. Mm -hmm. Jesus became man. He's the only man that's ever existed. 100% man, 100% God. This is why in, in the book of John, it, it calls him the only begotten, the monogenes as it is in the Greek. But Jesus in walking as a human being needed to find power because in becoming a man, he had given up some of that divine power or given up rather probably the the, the ability or his, his ability to use that power. Sure, he, he chose somehow to lay that divinity aside when he came to earth as a man. And so Jesus needed to find that power in a walk of dependence on his father. And so I'd like for us to go to Mark, the book of Mark, Mark chapter one. And there in Mark chapter one, I believe we find the key to living a powerful life uh, for Jesus in Mark chapter one and in verse 35, an amazing, a, an amazing one verse there where it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out 
and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Prayer. The secret to true power, to experience true power in life. Yeah, even Jesus needed that. He needed prayer. Yeah. So, John, let's talk about that. What is prayer? Simply put, prayer is communication. It's all it is. It's talking to God and opening your heart to God as to a friend. Some cynic might say, well, why pray? God knows what you need. God knows what you want. Yeah, but prayer is the expression to God that you know what you need and what you want. At least you know that you have needs and wants. Yes. Prayer doesn't bring God down to, to us. It, it, it brings us up to God somehow. It, it's not because God is playing hard to get or God is elusive or God has us at arm's length. But prayer is that avenue down which we go in, 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 in seeking communion with and oneness with God. Prayer is us calling out to God and saying, I believe, I know you are there and I want you in my life. You see, prayer is a dialogue. Yes. Most of us treat it as a monologue. Okay, God, while you sit there, I will, uh, I will, I will, I will talk to you and unload upon you and that's that. But prayer connects the mind and heart of the individual with the mind and heart of God. That's what it does. And unless we are connected with God, we're just going to flail around in this world. So prayer is that beautiful link, that great bridge that brings the heart of man, mankind, humanity, right. and the heart of God into the same place. That is wonderful. And you know, you said something earlier that it, it, it's an amazing thing. God knows everything. And so, as you rightly said, the cynic may say, well, if God already knows, why talk to him? You know, you and I have both been, you know, you've been married to your wife for 19 years. I've been married to my wife for 18 years. And you know what? After that length of a time, I know what my wife needs or what my wife wants. She knows what I need. She knows what I want. But we still talk to one another. We, we talk to one another because we want to have a discussion because it helps us understand each other better. And in the same way, God knows what we want. God knows what we need. But he invites us into conversation with him that we might experience real and true power in our life. Life too, as, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that. Life is a dynamic thing, you know, and, and tomorrow's needs might be different to today's needs. Tomorrow's experiences will undoubtedly be in some way different to today's experiences. Prayer isn't just us going to God with a shopping list. Yes. Unfortunately, we, we treat God like, like parents teach their children to treat Santa Claus at the mall at Christmas time. Go and sit on his knee and tell him what you want, and as long as you don't get too carried away, that's what you're going to get. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, and we'll talk about this. Yeah, we go to God and say, can you help me with this? I really need that. That's not wrong. But if that's all God is, if God's just the tooth fairy, or, or, or a benefactor, um, that, that's not enough. You know, no. God wants to be so much more than that. I don't know if you went through this, but, but I sure did. And uh, when you're a teenager, you discover the telephone. Yes. You know, and then if you, if you discover girls around the same time as you discover the telephone, then, <laughs> then you can be on that phone all night long. Yes. My parents would say, what do you talk about. <laughs> it didn't really matter, you know. If yeah. they're your good friends, you just want to talk. And if it's your, your good friend, you're just, it doesn't really matter what you talk about. The whole idea is being in, this, in that person's presence. That's right. You want to be with God. That's and right. There's this element of, I need to ask you for this. My, I'm having money meeting the rent payment. My car's broken down. I need help. 
there's that, and that's okay. But most importantly there is, hey, I just want to spend time with you because I really care about you. God, I love you, and I just enjoy being in you. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And I don't want to just tell you what's going on in my life. I want to hear from you. Prayer is, is communication. And we hear from God in prayer. We, we appeal to God in prayer. We pray for others. When it comes to the hows of prayer, we don't need to feel like uh, prayer needs to be some sort of parliamentary, parliamentary address. Right. In fact, really, it should not be that, should it? Sure. It's just opening up your heart and talking to God. And you know, in that principle of just opening up your heart and talking to God, there are a lot of things. Prayer, the word prayer occurs hundreds of times in the Bible. Yeah. And we could talk about a lot of things. Did Jesus ever teach us anything about how to pray or some principles in prayer that might help us understand what this communication is all about? Oh, well, yeah, he did. In fact, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I think if you go back into the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to find where, where they did this. Lord, teach us to pray. And so he did. And Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, yeah. for those that are... The, for those that are uh, the, those that are looking, and he did this wonderful thing. He said, "When when you pray, pray like this." Um, he taught them that there are some things prayer wasn't. That's right. That's right. Uh, the, the, That's the, right. The Pharisees, he says, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Well, they have their reward. But when you pray, enter into your closet. When you've shut the door. Pray to your Father which is in secret, and He will reward you openly. And that's a very interesting thing. There's this principle that Jesus starts off with right, right away. Prayer is not, and, and now there is public prayer, and we have many public prayers in the Bible, mm -hmm. but prayer is not a public display of me, but rather prayer. Prayer is a, an activity where we come into communion with God and it's a very personal communication with God where he hears us, where we listen to him, where we don't need to bring some pomp and circumstance to make sure everybody know I'm a praying person, I'm a yeah. praying man. Prayer is a nuanced thing. I'm going to be careful that we don't say here are the three rules that you That's must right. follow in any That's place right. and any time. One of the greatest prayers in the Bible, I think, was just an anguished cry. Peter was walking on water. Yes. Uh, he, he, his eyes went mm -hmm. where they shouldn't have been. His pride went where it shouldn't have gone. His faith went where it shouldn't have gone. And suddenly he's in danger of drowning. And he cries out, Lord, save me. He was in that predicament of his own devising. He got himself in that That's mess. right. That's right. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Save me from myself, ultimately. I've been a fool. Help me. God saved him. It wasn't a long prayer. There wasn't our Father which art in heaven. I'm surely not against that. But he just cried out. Yes. And Christ saved him. That was, that was a prayer and it was a beautiful prayer. Now, it's not like Jesus' prayer recorded in the book of John. That was, I mean, that's, a, that's Shakespearean. I mean that in a positive way. It's beautiful. Yes. It, 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 this was just a prayer. So sometimes prayer is just crying out to God. Yes, and that's why in a 20, 25-minute show, it's, it's not going to be an all-encompassing as we talk about prayer, but we want to give a couple of key principles. And we have here Jesus. Jesus says, so when you do pray, he yes. says, these are the things that you don't want to do. But when you do pray, pray in this manner. Now, it's important when he says pray in this manner. It doesn't mean that we have to use these exact words. Correct. 
what we are going to glean from this are some principles, some guide, guidelines is probably too strong of a word, some, some framework to help us to know what we ought to pray for when we pray. So we notice Jesus begins and he says, when you pray, pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So who are we praying to? We're praying to the Father God. Where is he in heaven? Now, we probably knew where he was. But this, when I say Father in heaven, it reminds me I'm praying to my dad, if I can just be colloquial about it. Yes. To my loving father, yes. my heavenly father. I'm praying to the creator, the maker, the sovereign, the architect of the universe. Yes. It puts God in my mind in that place he needs to be in, helps me to relate to him. It gives me confidence. I'm coming to my heavenly father does something for me. Yes. And, and it's this, and, and we have some occasions where Jesus, Jesus uses that word Abba, mm. which is, which is, uh, you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to bring God down by what I'm about to say, but it would be the kind of the idea of daddy. Mm. It's this closeness and understanding of God's sovereignty, who he is. He's the almighty yet He's close to me. He cares for me. He loves me. Yeah, that's right. And so, so this, so when we pray, we're praying to God in heaven. But then in verse 10 of, of Matthew chapter 6, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's this all about, John? Kingdom coming, will be done. What, what's Jesus trying to get uh, to here in principle? Thy kingdom come. Well, we know that Jesus is coming back soon. He's going to, he's going to establish God's eternal kingdom forever. And we want God to be king here and now in our lives. That's right. Um, notice, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. We pray according to the will of God. Now, we know that some things are God's will. I'm praying for my neighbor, let us say, that he might find faith in Christ. I, I read where George Mueller prayed for 63 years for the salvation of a friend of his. And the friend actually came to salvation after Mueller died, but before Mueller's funeral. Amazing. Yeah, isn't that something? Amazing. Sometimes you got to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray about something. Um, and even then, you've got to know the difference between when to keep on praying and when to say, well, okay, I've got the answer. Um, but we pray according to God's will. You pray that someone's going to be healed from cancer. Well, we know that it's not God's will that anybody should suffer. No. But God doesn't always heal everyone. That's right. That's a mystery we can talk about another time. Yes. Uh, but we pray, Lord, I'm bringing you my, my, okay, my neighbor again, and I'm praying for my neighbor, praying earnestly my neighbor would be healed. But if somehow you see in the bigger picture that now's her time to go, okay, I'll accept that. Sure. But that's not what I want. And I'm praying and praying and praying. We pray according to the will of God. Yes. God knows what we need better than we do. That's right. That's right. And sometimes what we, what we think is God saying no is God simply saying, you know, that's not the right thing to be praying for. That's right. You know? That's right. And I've once heard it said, you know, that God answers all prayers. He either answers yes, sometimes he answers no. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes he answers, wait. Wait. And, and, and so God is answering prayer. And so when we pray for his will to be done, it's really this idea of surrendering. We're saying, okay, I know what I want, but Lord, give me what's best. That's right. Help me with what's best. So then Jesus goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. And, and so there's this prayer where, you know, when we were talking earlier, there's this prayer where we are asking God for our daily sustenance, our daily provisions, help us in our daily living. Yeah, sometimes, you know, we pray for our daily wants. Sometimes we don't get them. Lord, I'd like a brand new shiny red sports car. 
and instead he gives me a, you know, a secondhand Buick. Uh, but that's okay. Yes. You know, I, I didn't. Right. I didn't need. I wanted that. My need was transportation. Yes. Um, my want. It's okay to pray for your wants, isn't it? That's right. Sure, that's it's right. okay. That's right. But sometimes prayer helps us to see God's perspective. Some people confuse prayer. They think it's a stick that if they beat God with it long enough, mm-hmm. he'll finally sip it and say, okay, you can have what you want. Yes. No. If you continue in prayer with God, God will often change your perspective so that you can see, ah, I've been praying for A, but what I really ought to have been praying for was B. Yes. Uh, prayer yes. often changes us and helps us to see God's will more clearly so we can pray more intelligently. And then Jesus goes on further principles forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we've talked about this issue of forgiveness. We forgive and we are forgiven. And, and, and so this issue of forgiveness is so vital. And so prayer brings us to a place where we can ask for forgiveness, but also brings us to a place where we can give forgiveness because forgiveness, often forgiveness cannot be given unless by God's power. Yeah, and you know, in the, in the same chapter, um, Jesus said, if you're not willing to forgive others for the things they've done to you, God won't forgive you yes. for what you've done to him. Yes. That's sobering. Very sobering. And so prayer actually prepares us because, you know, sometimes people do very hurtful things. Sure. But God gives us the power through prayer to be able to give that forgiveness so that we too in turn can be forgiven. And then Jesus kind of wraps this prayer up this model prayer and says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of delivering us from evil. This is where we receive true power. You know, John, we've been talking about this issue of forgiveness. We've been talking about repentance. We've been talking about walking in the newness of life. But here Jesus gives us the key. We pray and ask God, to lead us into that newness of life. So, John, maybe in summary, summarizing just very briefly, what are just some key principles for prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Prayer gets us out of our own mind and out of the worldly frame of mind and connects us with God and brings us, it brings us into, a good, into a good space where we're able to hear God's voice. It's not just a monologue, prayer is dialogue. And prayer is power. In communicating with God, we connect with God. And God's life starts to flow through our life. So prayer puts us in the place where God has our mind. Prayer is a place where God molds us. I come to God praying for a three-story house and He shows me during this communication process what you really need is an apartment in the city or, or in the country. You know what I'm saying, something different. Prayer is where our, our wants uh, fade away and our needs become more important than just our, our desires. Absolutely. Um, prayer connects our mind with the mind of God. We need to have that. And you know, it's hard to believe again, John, but it's brought us to the end of our study. Why don't we have prayer yes. and ask God to help us in prayer? John, would you pray for sure. us? Happy to. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are our Father and that you want good for us. I pray your spirit would guide us to be people of prayer, 
where we communicate with you, know your mind, and yield to your will. Let your will be done in our lives, I pray with thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. tell you about a friend of mine who used to work full-time as an artist and really enjoyed his work. He was just a little heavier than he wanted to be, but he didn't have any real health issues until a fluke accident at work left him with a severely injured shoulder. His doctors advised him that his shoulder would never heal properly and would need to be fused into place. He refused. Instead, he changed his diet, consuming only raw living plant foods and freshly made vegetable juices for quite some time. Can you guess what happened? With all the life-giving properties in the vegetable juices and fresh raw plant foods, the bones that doctors had warned would never heal properly knitted themselves together beautifully. His body had healed itself, given the right care as it was created to do. At 51 now, my friend has never been healthier. In fact, at this point in his life, he says that he loves his life and his body more than he ever has, and he credits the raw foods and vegetable juices for his vitality. Not only has his body healed wonderfully, but he has also lost the weight he needed to lose, he's become a raw food chef, and he teaches student chefs, myself included, from around the world. He is a walking testimony of the revitalizing power of food. Friends, I like the way one doctor puts it. Your body's ability to heal is greater than anyone has permitted you to believe. Remember, my friend used raw living food and fresh vegetable juices. So here's an easy but very effective juice recipe we like to make at my home that can start you on the road to better health. It's best to try and use organic ingredients, but if you're not able to, don't even sweat it. First of all, five pounds of carrots, one head of celery, a large beet, half a lime, and about an inch of ginger. Simply juice these ingredients in your juicer and enjoy the life-enhancing goodness. The yield for that recipe is about two liters, so this is great to share with your family and finish it all up in a day or two, but you really do want to finish it as quickly as possible. Cheers to your good health. I'll see you next time. This series, Beyond Questions, will provide you answers. I'd like to offer you today the DVD set of Beyond Questions. Here's the information you need. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. John, what an uplifting study going beyond the question and answering what is true power.
You know, God has all the power in the universe. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. When we connect with him, it's not that we have the power, but he works his power in and through our lives, and that is powerful. The most powerful thing is that he's able to change us from who we are into what he desires That's for right. us. That's right. John, I'm so glad you were able to join me today. Thank you so much. For yeah, being me too. Here. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you were encouraged by the teaching. Please join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm-hmm.